What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. I used to number these. And now, I mean, between Sports Adjacent and the stuff that I'm doing, I, I don't know how many episodes we've done. I should just check. I mean, it's got to be over a 1,000, right? At this point? Anyway. I'm glad that you are here. I thank you very much for your patronage of our little pod- podcast as we celebrate five years in the game. We deep in the game, baby. Five years in the game of podcasting. And it's still fun, and we still get to do a lot of cool stuff. We get to do a lot of fun stuff. Unfortunately, we also have to do some serious stuff from time to time. Um, and that happens a little bit inside of this episode. It's also a fun episode because it's with one of my favorites, Pete Futak, who I had the pleasure of working with when I was working at what was then 120 Sports, is now Stadium Network. Pete was our college football guy, so I remember bringing him on to the score, and people were like, who the hell is this guy? I was like, no, this is, this is the man right here. He's crazy. You're going to enjoy his content. And no one that's put Pete on has felt any differently. In fact, you know, you can hear him now on BetQL Network doing a great college football show during the season. He's a really smart dude. We don't always agree, which you'll hear inside of this episode, which is totally fine. But I think that our sensibilities are similar even if we don't agree, if that makes any sense. The reason I wanted to talk with Pete is I wanted to talk with him because I feel like there are so many major stories in college football right now that it's hard to keep track. 
I thought about it after Pete and I were done. Even though Dion is mentioned, like Dion Sanders is mentioned in the episode, we didn't really talk about Colorado Buffalo's football. We did talk about like Colorado and them leaving the Pac-12, but not like the impact of Deion Sanders and what this season might look like for the the Buffaloes. Maybe we'll do that as we get closer to the season and we get a better idea of what that team looks like and whether or not Deion can handle coaching at this level. Because that's a legitimate question. I know people act like it's not, but it is. And when you've seen Deion in games against equal talent with better coaching, when he was in FCS, he lost. So let's see what happens with him at Colorado as he starts to build. Anyway, Pete and I talk college football, whether we're talking about the rights fees or conference shifting and all of the money that's being spent. We also spend a lot of time talking about what's going on in Minnesota and a ton of time talking about what's going on at Northwestern. So, this is me and my buddy Pete Futek talking all things college football on the House of L podcast. Can you hear me? I can. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm something, man. You see this? So, so of course, of course the Big 12 sends out its big letter about University of Colorado. They're back. They're not a there. They're an it. University (laughs) of Colorado, it's back. (laughs) Second tier universities. This thing's ridiculous. I mean, honestly, this is one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. Like, not, you know, not the... Not the the grammar of a major university because apparently we have found out that all the degrees and credentials in the world mean nothing when it comes to stuff like that. So I mean, and I am the worst grammar person in the history of ever. So like, if I'm like correcting you, you there's something seriously wrong with all this here. Yes, you've made some some horrible mistakes uh, for sure. Um, first of all, man, I'm not going to keep you too well. I'm I'm not going to promise I'm not going to keep you long, but I'm going to try. Not to keep you long. I appreciate you jumping on. It's one of those things where I there's a lot of stuff that I want to work through, and it might not necessarily jibe with the timing of the show. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I have a podcast. Yeah, it's about time, man. I, I brought, I've got my glow sticks. I got you know the boas and the glitter for the house. You know, it's you know it let me pass the bouncer because you know the facial hair and everything. So I'm I'm in the house. I'm in the house. Now. Well, yeah, I appreciate you jumping on and and see. I'm I'm actually growing out the the facial nice. hair too. I'm getting my Very lovey nice. my lovey claws beard going on at some point. Nice. Um, let's start with the ridiculous and then move into the serious. If that's sure, okay whatever you want to do, I'm good. This Colorado thing to me is fascinating for okay. a lot of reasons. I'm pretty sure you and I uh, were t- talked about this a few years ago, but the the bad shape that Larry Scott left the Pac-12 in when it came to their television deals and kind of everything, I'm not surprised to see someone else move away from the Pac-12. What's your read on Colorado leaving, and does it signal anything worse for the Pac-12? It poten- well, they got to come up with something fast when it comes to 
you know, a plan. I mean, they talk and talk and talk and, you know, we're, there's a whole bunch of parts to this. First of all, we're not talking about that much money when it comes to the bigger, greater world of the, you know, sports business. I mean, no joke, you know, Justin Herbert is going to make 20 million more a year over the next five years in Colorado. I mean, like you can't get a starting quarterback in the NFL for what these media deals are that the big 12 and pac 12 are offering. And so there's something a little more to this. They messed around. It's it, Colorado for whatever reason wants, wanted to get out the pac 12. You'd think that they'd have figured something out. Like say, Hey, look, we'll guarantee you 40 million for 2024. Just hang around. We'll, we'll, we'll back it. Or so, there's gotta be some way that they could have figured this out and didn't. And now you've got the big 12 and nobody is feeling it more right now. than big 12 people, because Think about what you've got. You, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, you got two university of insert state here is left. You got Kansas, you got West Virginia, and then you got a whole bunch of little brothers from there. You know, like Iowa State, you know, little brother, Kansas State, little brother. And then the new guys like BYU, it's, you know, little brother from another mother. And then, you know, you've got, you know, te Texas Tech and, you know, TCU and Baylor. I mean, they're like, you know, the slip one past the goalie little brothers, you know, they're, they're way down the chain there. So you've got all these schools that are feeling it. And now you've got these little brother syndrome schools all from places that most of them have the word state in them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, look, I, I went one for four from the plate when it came to colleges, I'm not going to, you know, dog anybody here, but if you got, if you went to a school with the word state, Somewhere in your past, there is a letter that said it is our deepest regrets and, you know, problem that we are not letting you attend university of here in there. So, like, <laughs> these guys all have a all have a stigma to them. And now I'm not going to go politics on the house here, but like these are red state schools that want to take down the Pac-12. I mean, there is a thing there where they've got the grievance thing happening. They want to take down California. They got themselves a blue state school. They are going to attack and destroy the Pac-12. And you combine all that at once, and now you got Coach Prime coming into the Pac, uh, coming to the Big 12. So that they're feeling a big time. So you, all of a sudden, this this is a viable conference where two years ago they couldn't get the Pac-12 or anyone else to join forces with them. It's funny to me, too, because I had always kind of thought of I, when when the war started, when people started to poach and poach and poach and poach, I looked at it as, okay, the Big Ten's got the crazy TV deal. The SEC is the SEC, okay? Who's going to get that next spot? And it seemed like, and I think rightly, the Big 12 targeted it. While the Pac-12 was like, we're too good for that. We're on the same par as the SEC and the Big Ten. And everyone around college sports is like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, no, you're not because your league's been run poorly. Your network is trash. Like, where I'm sitting there going on Friday and Saturday nights going, oh, I can't get the Pac-12 game in HD. And like, if you can, if you if you can get it, if you can, if, if it's on the Pac-12 network, you're not getting it if you got YouTube TV. Or if you do have this cutesy Pac-12 after dark thing, if you're, you know, in you know New Jersey, you're ending your game at two thirty in the morning. Like, right. You got your half, you know, three quarters of the country and watching it. So that goes back to your point before of 
Yeah, yeah, the poorly run thing. And but, however, I'll I'll counteract that to one part where where they did have it when they had USC and UCLA, right? Because if you think about it, and it's still to it's still this point now. Big Twelve still didn't have the markets. All that little brother stuff, it it still holds. They you know they still don't have Texas. You know, tech. You know, Dallas is the what fourth or fifth largest market. That's you know two That's hours still, down up the road. Yeah, and That's it's still the, UT. Like as much UT. as TCU would like it to be them, nope. it's not. It's it's Houston, still Dallas Houston and Oklahoma. Still, yep, Houston is still Texas A and M, and if it's not UT. And you know what else you so what else you got? Where are your markets? Iowa? No, Iowa's you know again it's the bigger deal in the state. You know maybe you have Kansas City, but that's only like the thirty eighth biggest market, and you're still dealing with Mizzou, you know to a certain extent there. So, uh, so the Pac twelve though, when they did have, and still this is where the positives come into play. When they had USC and UCLA, you could say we got the number two media market in the country depending on what metrics you can say, even though nobody cares about, you know, college sports in the Bay area, you've got the number four or five ish or whatever media market in the country, Seattle, uh, you know, Denver at the time, Phoenix, you've got five ish of the, you know, top 15 media markets in the country. And Phoenix is turned into a juggernaut. Like that's a top 10 media market now. Of course. And so, you know, if you were the PAC 12, you could kind of thumb your nose. You've got the better academics because, you know, look, I'm not school shaming here, but, you know, academically, you know, they're all tier one schools except for TCU and now BYU. So they, they're our top research schools. But in terms of the the higher up rankings and stuff, you you lose Texas. What do you got? You know, where's your, your where's your flagship academic institution? So uh, so the Pac-12 was kind of right where they screwed it up. I said from day one, go get Kansas. That Kansas is one of those schools that's kind of geographically close, tier one research school, expands, starts to expand west a little bit, expand the brand a little bit. They should have been able to go further out, and they just screwed it all up. Now, I don't know what they do, because I don't think they're going to lose Oregon or Washington, at least yet. Arizona is a problem. And so what do you do? If I If I'm the Big 12, let's say take this to the Big 12 side. If I'm badass right now, I just say, you know what? I'm just just because I, I, I'm going to do it because I want to. I'm going to get UNLV and I'm going to get San Diego State. You know, you, we, we work with them. Mountain West teams make $4 million a year with their media deal. You don't have to offer them full ride. You can give them, say, look, for the first couple of years, we're going to give you $15 million. You're going to like it. And they're going to be like, okay, great. So what's that do? Pac-12 wants uh, uh, Las Vegas to be what uh, Atlanta is to the SEC. They mm. want that to be the hub. You take that away, you take Vegas, which is the cool place in the market, and UNLV is a tier one research school, so automatically you got the academic side there. You take San Diego away, and your furthest south school for the Pac-12 in California is in Palo Alto. Wow. So you just cut their knees out, and you got no options left outside of what, Colorado State? Fresno State, Boise State, they ain't moving the needle. Do you expect the Big 12 to go get the Arizona schools? Um, they're going to try. Uh, it's – I don't know why they haven't. And I don't know why – I'm sort of waiting I, – the, the line, which is a little bit wrong, but uh, it works, is that, you know, uh, expansion really sort of happens in silence, where we didn't know Texas and Oklahoma were going until they told – even the, the guys who, you know, in the know on all this had no clue. You know, we really didn't know USC, UCLA, nothing. There wasn't a peep about that until it happened. Big Ten's been a little quiet lately, obviously because of a whole lot of reasons. And they've got to 
deal with their own TV issues from 2020 and make goods on the Fox deal and all that kind of stuff. And you can't expand too much, but you're right. Phoenix is like the number 11 TV market. I think Seattle's 12th, Portland's top 18. I mean, they, they're, they're crazy not to go after like Arizona, Arizona state. Um, and then if you're the sec, no one's from the sec likes this at all. But look at what's happening. Go with the coast-to-coast theme that Big Ten's doing. Go after Oregon. Go after Washington. You know, offer them one. They'll take it. They'd be interested. They'd be crazy not to. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen. At the end of the day, all anybody's going to care about is, you know, what time's the game on and let's go. What do you think of this bill that's now in Congress and who's sponsoring this bill? Where, (laughs) Where you have Tommy Tuberville out here with Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin and Nick Saban are, are are tight. So you actually, strangely enough, have Bama and Auburn uh, working together on what seems like a way to gain back some control from the, the young people who make them all the millions of dollars. Amazing how that works, huh? It's, it's first of all, it's dumb it, because – if they could just keep their mouths shut, they got it. They've got the perfect system. You don't have to pay your labor. You let the market do it. If Jim Bob Booster wants to give a kid a tractor, you know, go for it. You know, what's it, you know, who cares? So you 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 don't have to deal with your players. They're being taken care of by the agents. You're being taken care of. So how do you pay? you know, Caleb Williams compared to the backup punter for Eastern Michigan. You don't have to worry about it. It's taken care of. And now you start introducing this stuff, which really has no, you know, hope of really actually coming into play. Now, if some judge gets this, you get the wrong one, and they're going to ask the question, uh, why aren't they getting paid? They're entertainers. You know, they're, they're that's all they are. If you don't look at them as like, it's not a teacher-student thing here. This is a entertainment factor. Why aren't they getting a cut of this? Why can't they unionize? I know there's a whole bunch of problems there, but why can't they? Do- so they're crazy for not just keeping shut and just doing this and just letting it go as is. Otherwise, they're going to screw it up. And I, if I'm someone else in Congress, I'm like, OK, wait a minute here. Your problem is you can't figure out your business and we're supposed to do it. The easiest thing, I, I get it to a certain extent. The one area that they should be able to figure out and they can't, the transfer portal. That I get. You can't have unfettered free agency. You can't have, it's not fair to anybody, the players, the coaches, anybody to not have a depth chart because you're afraid they're going to get poached. So I do think that there is a way you can do this and say, look, we're going to have it like it is with NIL money, everything else, but we're just going to limit the transfer portal so that everyone can kind of just take a deep breath and relax every practice. Okay, now let's move to the more serious stuff. What do you think of what you've heard of PJ Fleck being accused of creating a negative culture at Minnesota? It's not sh- if it's true, not shocking because it's there's always a negative culture. Look, 
every college football program is the same. You're going to have disgruntled players. Now more than ever, now in a social media era, now in an NIL era, when everyone's assuming that they're going to get NIL money and they don't, everyone's assuming that, well, if I don't go here, I can just transfer. And so you've got to kind of keep kissing the butts of the players at all times, as it's always been described to me by other coaches. You're always recruiting. That's half your job. You're always recruiting your own players. So there's always going to be disgruntled players. Doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they're, but the disgruntled players, if there's anything untoward happening, they're going to talk. And then there's always going to be the segment of players who are going to buy in, just be like, nah, it's fine. Whatever. This is no big deal. You're always going to have some questionable coaching method that doesn't seem like it's about right. And you're always going to have the crazy fan base that's going to hero worship that's going to stand behind the coach no matter what. Every co- every school's got this. So when it comes to this, my attitude is always don't listen to Fleck. Don't listen to the players. But whoever's doing the investigating. And Minnesota's been pretty good about this. They did. They were good in the past when they investigated when there were issues under Tracy Clays and formerly Jerry Kill and other things. Minnesota's been all right when the independent uh, uh, investigating aspect of this. Listen to them. What they say matters. What P.J. Flex says, what the players say, yeah, you're going to get all sides of things. And what the fans say really don't matter. doesn't matter. Is Jim Harbaugh skating – scrutiny because of what's happening in his conference that has nothing to do with Michigan? Well, plus nobody can quite figure out what he is in trouble for. I mean, he basically, he kind of sort of bought a couple of guys, some hamburgers, you know, and you know, he got a couple of guys on campus when he probably shouldn't have. Okay. That's what Herm Edwards got digging for, but it's not, you're not talking about massive scandals here. You're mostly talking about NCA regulations. So it's it, plus his, his biggest problem is when he had the hamburgers that he basically bought for these guys or somehow these guys got, uh, he didn't tell the NCAA what it was. It wasn't quite truthful for it. So it, it's, it's a whole lot of silliness that really is not, there's nothing really there there. Now, if you combine that with the Bo Schembechler stuff kind of got it, it, nobody, it was, you're talking about, you know, 50 something years ago, it, it, a lot of the parts, you know, parts of that scandal are dead and like it just, but still there wasn't a lot of questioning going on when it came to, Hey, Jim Harbaugh, that was your doctor. Well, you know, that kind of stuff. I just sort of think he's just kind of rolling right along and he's a two-time big 10 winning champion. So that's, you know, he's fine. He's fine. If he's not going one and eight and he loses to Ohio state, then this gets more scrutiny than he's getting right now. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk Northwestern. I mean, I've been dealing with this every day, like every day since the, the story broke on the radio show, I've been talking about it. And I, I was I was actually talking with Nick Baumgartner of the uh, Athletic about auditing myself and being like, am I too close to all of this to really have um, a strong opinion on it? And the answer that I come back with is no, I'm not. I am close to it. I have a lot of friends who work at Northwestern. I, I know Dr. Jim Phillips. I've known Pat Fitzgerald since high school. Um, I've got stories about that that – I have not shared publicly, but one of these days you and I will have a conversation and I'll share some then stories. You're going to Keith Olbermann and, and do the things I'm not supposed to tell podcasts 15 <laughs> years from now and just start cranking them out at the end of your podcast, right? That is, For sure. Up. But, but 
as someone who covers college football writ large, how big a deal is what's going on at Northwestern? Not at all. It's just, it's look from a football aspect, not at all. If Northwestern, look, first of all, from purely football aspect, kind of lost in this is that Northwestern went one and eight in the Big Ten three of the last four years, and it's Northwestern. And so, all right. So Pat Fitzgerald, everyone kind of liked him because every once in a while he would put a ra- pull a rabbit out of his hat. That was always my joke with you. How do you know Big Ten? The Big Ten is down while Northwestern's playing for the Big Ten championship. Uh, but he did a great job with what he had to work with. Uh, it's a, it's a tough tough school to to find players for because there's no recruiting base. Uh, it's a tough place, but they improve the the facilities. They improve improve the whole system. Improve the program overall. Now. From a school standpoint, my attitude towards this is it's Northwestern. It's not Alabama. It's not Ohio State. It's not some you know, massive. It's not something exactly. It's not some massive thing. And it's a in this Northwestern of all places is a test for college football as a whole. Because going back to the NIL conversation, the big problem is the school, the college part of college football is sort of being forgotten in all this in that, look, if you had a scandal with like the Chicago bears, you know, it's Chicago bears. Their sole purpose in this world is to sell tickets to customers, not fans. They're, they're there to make money. So if you had a scandal there, you get rid of the coach or the general manager, you maybe suspend the players involved and you keep going on because without football, playing football games, there is no Chicago bears. You take football away from Northwestern, and here you've got this academic institution that's among, let's say, what, the 15 or 20 best in the world, and you take football away, and they're among the 15 or 20 best in the world. Like, it's it's not, and, that, and that's where I think Northwestern has kind of played this wrong, where they can take the high road here and just be like, look. Is this what happened here? We're a private university. You want to find out the, the inside info? You want stuff? Uh-uh. We fired our coach. We're moving on. That's it. See ya. Peace out. And then that's it. That's all you have to say if you're Northwestern. You don't have to tell them a thing because you're not a public institution. And then you just say, look, we're an academic institution here, first and foremost. Football team's just here along for the ride. So, Pat Fitzgerald, thank you very much. We're moving on from that. If they take that attitude instead of just kind of being, you know, kind of – they kind of went – mealy mouth on all this i think they'd be in a much better spot so uh, i i think northwestern overall nationally it was bad during the cycle but now colorado is taking up that oxygen in the room do you know a lot about the history of the university of chicago's football program uh was very good and then people died and they got rid of it and the university of chicago is still a amazing academic institution a hundred and something years later i've been thinking a lot about it so you know i don't live like it's it's right over there like it's it's i could throw a rock onto campus at the university of chicago and i'm fascinated by its history dave revzin and i actually did i think it's episode five of house of l specifically on the university of chicago's football program the joke the at, at, at UFC is, or was back then, is they hired the football coach before they put doorknobs on the door. Okay, then you had a situ- you had a bunch of different situations. One of my favorites is this: they had this this guy who was kind of on the team because back then it was the Wild West. Guys were being picked up off the street. 
you know, you're, you're doing all sorts of stuff. He wasn't a very good student. He had to go to summer school. He didn't go to summer school. And Stag, Amos Alonzo Stag, who was the coach, kind of said he thought about going <laughs> to summer school. Therefore, he should be eligible to play. That guy's last name was Romney. And yes, he is related to that Romney. There's a lot of funky stories like that with the UFC program. There's a hell of a lot of good athletes on that that group. I mean, man, a bunch of good players at BYU under that uh, on the lineage. You better you better believe it. There's a ton of them still playing. I think for yeah. for for BYU, they they decided as a university after they win the first Heisman, after they win two Big Ten championships because they are a charter member of the Big Ten. The story, and I haven't had this confirmed, but the, the, the story was University of Chicago gave their charter to the Big Ten to Michigan State. And if the University of Chicago ever decided that they wanted to jump back to Division One, that Michigan State would be out. Nice. And that they could, That'd be awesome. they could revoke their charter. But they went, they shut their football program down for 30 years years there's got to be some smart person there at that university that, that can figure out how to do that and technically get a cut of the revenue you know what's it what was that nba team the, that, Saint, like, the uh, spirit of st louis Saint, right st louis it still gets paid for the uh you know in perpetuity sort of thing you, you, there's got to be somewhere part of it so well, i get well, what you're saying guess, so get, guess, so, guess so, who that so, person would be guess who the person to figure that out would be probably a romney or something a rock or something. no it would be michael schill who was the dean of the law school at the University of Chicago. You know, one of the jobs he had before he was president of Northwestern University. That would University. be a good grad school project for someone to figure out how to to, to do that, to, to get the... Uh, get the revenue get, from the Big the Ten? In past, uh, past revenue, yes. I, be I know that I'm dreaming. I'm not asking Northwestern to shutter their football program for no, no, years. No, 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 that, not that, yeah. But I didn't think it was crazy for them to go, this is... We got a football starts in a month and our shit's fucked up. <laughs> we need to shut down for a year and it's messed up and it's messed up for the Big Ten and everyone's got to redo their schedule and people have got to add games to get to 12. But we've got to figure out how to fix this. I'm not convinced that they have the people there, whether it's the athletic director or the new interim head coach or the president of the university. I don't know if they have the competency to get through this without completely, well, not completely, but really tarnishing Northwestern as a university in the way that they're handling it. All right. It, it, it depends on how this shakes out. And my, one of my, this is a weird scandal because it, it kind of falls in, it's in the, in, it's in the, it's, it's not Penn State or Baylor. It's not, I mean, it's bad, but it doesn't have the, the, the pure evil aspect to that, that those had. And it's it, certainly it, it not. Feels, it feels like scandals that we've seen before and stuff that we all kind of know, but don't necessarily have proof Exactly. Of. And it's not, you know, Johnny Manziel signing footballs or Ohio State guys selling their own bull swag for tattoos. So it's, it's kind of got that middle lane. So I, I get it. From a, the problem there, and we kind of found this out in 2020 as well, 
is while that sounds right, you do that. If you start forfeiting the revenue, then it's not just about the the football program. It's about your entire athletic department because you have to just fund all of that. Aha. I have a, I have a solution for that. Go. Northwestern's endowment is $15 billion and their athletic department through football. If we go through everything, it makes, you know, I, I think they ended up zeroing out because every athletic department has to zero out because that way they're not a business. Um, I, I think after everything is all said and done, the athletic uh, money for them was like $26 million. Yeah, I think I, I'm talking completely, speaking of law school stuff, I'm talking completely out of my ass here, but I don't think endowments are touchable. Yes, there there are ways to get to the endowment money. And, Always. And and I think that this is one of those emergencies where you could, but you're right. We they would did have do to... it in 2020. So if they didn't if they didn't fund, you know, I think Stanford was the one that everyone was screaming like, "Wait, you've got 100 gajillion dollars <laughs> you're just, you know, sitting on. Why aren't you, you know, paying your players, why you're paying your coaches and stuff?" And but I, I seem to think that that's stickier than it seems. And then it goes that goes to the bigger problem then is like you said before, you're a university. Why are we spending money on our dumbass athletes here? Like, why why are we spending endowments for this? Why, like to your point, why don't we just say, hey, look, we're not playing, you know, football for a year or something? But it, it's you're right. It's if you can keep it going, it, it's fine. You know, it's not like Ohio State, where in 2020 you had people with signs outside saying, you know, hey, oh, they had with permanent marker written signs. We want our to play. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, and, is, and and who was leading that brigade? Justin uh, yeah. Fields. Yeah, he was right, man. He, that guy, he did it. He got him to the national championship. He sure turned did. Out to be, turned out to be all right for himself. So, yeah, nice uh, kid. Uh, but but you know, look, it's it's a tough situation. And I again, this is where if you're looking at a school that should be able to be above all this. It should be Northwestern more than anybody else. You know, you'd like to think that, you know, you want your Alabama guy in Wisconsin. I'd like to think that our alma maters in time of something like this would take the high road. I've never sold on that. But to your, to your back to your Chicago story, your Chicago story is that the proof is that, yes, the school is always bigger than the football program. And they obviously, as an academic institution, didn't suffer at all. So the the flip side of that is I saw firsthand the opposite at Wisconsin, where when I went there, uh, they literally, you know, during the uh, 1988, the Danny Sheridan rankings, they had 124 teams. I think they were 127th because you had a bunch of, you know, D1 to double A teams ranked higher. I mean, they were horrible. They hired Donna Shalala. They get Barry Alvarez. And all of a sudden, Wisconsin went to the school that I was able to get into on my PSATs and you know, just give them my name and phone number to this big time school that everyone wanted to go to because of the high profile of the athletics. So you can see how is it, which goes to the other piece of this is to how does this hurt Northwestern? The number one function of a sports program is to, is PR. That's all. It's it's PR for like. Does anybody know or care about the University of Oklahoma? No. Does it even exist? No, but it's got a football program, you know, and that goes for a TCU. It goes for Georgia to a certain extent. It goes for all these schools where how do you know them? You know them because of their sports for the most part. 
And so that's where if you're Northwestern, okay, how do you spin this into a positive? Well, you're going to have to try. You have the shiny new stadium, hopefully in a couple of years. Hopefully you've got a team on the field that's representative. And there's just, there's a lot to that though, but you don't uh-huh. want to lose any part of the academic institution aspect of it. It's crazy too. Me and Goff were talking about this because Jason Goff is a, is an Evanston native, right? Like he yeah. grew up there. Evanston is is like one of the only communities in in the country that's doing reparations. Like Evanston is a is a interesting place, man. And the the faculty that work there, they kind of believe in the mission of not just Northwestern but the city of Evanston too. And watching all of this take place and seeing in this tug of war of what is right or what should be done versus football, 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 football. It it breaks my heart a little bit that it looks like football's gonna win. You know what I'm saying? In what I get what you're saying. In in what way is it gonna win? Just because they're gonna play, or it doesn't look like. See, here's where this gets really murky, and this is where I've kind of always taken the attitude when it comes to college scandals. Is it an NCAA scandal? Or is it a legal scandal? NCA scandals are silly and who cares? It's just a bunch of made up rules. You can, doesn't really matter. If it's a legal scandal, it has nothing to do with sports and that's all to do with the law of the courts and, you know, where you go from there. And this seems to fall somewhere in between the right. whole mix. That, that's now, what, that's the part that I still don't quite understand. And I would need like a lawyer and maybe a police officer to explain it to me. Cause look, let this have been any other place on the university campus. Let this have been a bunch of guys soaping themselves up and forcing people to run through them to get to the cafeteria or their dorm room or the library. Those guys are arrested. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's so strange to me that there hasn't been a statement from law enforcement, that there hasn't been a criminal charge that has been made in this. And I wonder if that's the next part of this as more people and and of all places too, because it's not like you did have the initial backlash of the, you know, the, I know Pat Fitzgerald. He took a selfie with me. He was nice crowd, which was going to back him no matter what, but that dissipated fast. If this was a, you know, an Alabama or Wisconsin or a Clemson or someplace like that. And we, we still see it with Penn state fans today when it comes to Joe Paterno, where they will not let it go. It is all, you know, there's nothing bad happened. It was all against us. It was a witch hunt, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Northwestern's a a different thing because you just don't have that alumni base. that's going to be like saying that, Oh, it's all good. We're fine with all that. No, they're, they're going to be a different group altogether. So if it's going to happen anywhere, it would be that. So that's where, unfortunately in the dumb sports writer side of me here, it's like, look, this is a legal matter. This has to be taken care of. If it's it's university police beyond that, as long as it's not like some, you know, college town police department and sheriff, which is in cahoots with the the department and everything. As long as the, you've got independent investigators who are handling this, then it goes from there. And it goes also with the idea of that if there are whistleblowers within the Northwestern program, they're not going to be harassed like they would be if this was at Ohio State or Penn State or something like that. I hope you're right. I hope there's justice for those victims of hazing, and I hope that they get this right. But everything 
so far has been completely bungled, and it's extremely disappointing. Um, Only because it's not as transparent as we all want it to be. I think that it's it's a it's a hard thing to 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 remember when it comes to legal things and law is that it takes it's takes a while. I mean, to really investigate and to really look into these things. It's not as quick and cut as dry and cut and dry, but you're right. The problem is we're what two months into this scandal, six we're, weeks. We're a month. We're a month into this, but see, that's the thing. They had six months to come out with that initial report, and then yeah. we all got the initial report and like, wait a minute, hold on. It says here, it's you know, like it says here that you suspended your coach for two weeks. Why'd you do that if you didn't do anything wrong? And they're like. Well, they probably did some stuff wrong. Okay, next point of order. It says here that you can't take the kids back to the camp in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's interesting. Why, Why can't not? you do that anymore? Well, well and so to, to your overall point, and kind of what I'm, you know, fumbling around trying to get at the the what you're what you're trying to get at here is that who's who's against this? Like again, if you're the if you're the president and chancellor at one of these big superpower football programs, you're worried about getting death threats. You're worried about getting, you know, fired. You're worried about all, all the backlash. And, you know, we saw this, you know, even to a low, lower, lesser extent in 2020, you know, the big 10, when it looked like it was going to shut down football, you, you saw all this nastiness and bad things for this. Who's going to be the, who at Northwestern is going to threaten anybody with anything. If you actually do, Come on, are you going to lose money? Are you going to lose, you know, donors? Doesn't seem like it. The, the, and the base isn't crazy enough to to be that thunder. You're not going to get that the death threat aspect like you do with other things. So, so who's who are you not catering to, and who are you afraid of? As I guess, I, who are you afraid of? As I guess was where I'm finally going to get there after all this. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Um, I appreciate you. You, you know I'm such a fan of yours, and I'm glad that you were able to, to visit. Can we, in a couple of weeks, do an episode where we actually talk about the football football? Absolutely. Look, Georgia is good. There. that We basically just That's talked it? about the, the, the 2023 season. Wait, is, you know, Al- is Alabama back? Well, according to Saban, they didn't go anywhere. Um, it's welcome to life in the SEC. It's it's who's the you know, quarterback at Texas? It's Quinn Ewers. Does that mean gonna, that, that the Manning is going to transfer? No, Arch will not transfer. This was part of the plan. This is part of the thing. Quinn Ewers is going to be. He's where is the first round pick? They got guys there. He's but they're going to usher in the SEC era of Texas football with Arch Manning. Okay, I'll come up with more questions in the next couple of weeks. We will do that. North and we'll talk Northwestern football on the field. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I know it's icky. See, that's what you don't want. This is supposed to be fun and you don't want icky. And that's what Northwestern has made this. It made it icky. Uh, but beyond the icky, I didn't want to talk about Northwestern on the field. They were one and eleven <laughs> last year. They didn't win a game in the United States of America last that year. That is a fun stat. That is that is a that is really sort of a fun fact. I thought they were gonna be good too. I actually I predicted they were going to beat Nebraska. I got Nebraska hate on me all off season. I thought, see, Northwestern is actually good. Nope, and it just didn't work. Nope. Thanks, Pete. Later, huh? So if you, you hadn't gotten to know Pete, now you know him. If you don't know, now you know. He's great. I love talking to him. He's a lot of fun. It's also interesting 
I don't know if I've told my brother this. For those of you who don't know, my brother is a musical artist named Braxton Holmes. You can look up his work. He worked primarily in house music. Like, that's what he does. Like he was part of that huge renaissance of house music back in the in the 80s. You know, he, he was part of Mendel, and Mendel was popping. Like, that was the place to be. He's a member of the Frankie Knuckles Foundation, and, you know, I, I would... I don't know. Maybe I should ask Braxton before I say this. A, a protege of Ron Hardy's. So he's got house music credentials. Strangely enough, Pete is a huge house head. Like, he actually knew of my brother before he knew me. Which is always weird for me. I'll tell you two funny stories about my brother, okay? One... Well, I guess three. There are a lot of people who sometimes think that we're the same person because we look very much alike, except I'm like a miniature version. My brother's like 6'1", and I'm barely 5'9". But we look almost exactly alike other than that. I wear glasses. He does not. He has straight teeth. I do not. You know, I got all the bad genes. I got the Crohn's, like the whole thing, short. Um... <laughs> But people see us and you know, they'll see me and they'll be like, Braxton. Or there are still the people who say, little Braxton, even though I'm almost 50 years old, which is weird. Um, so that happens. The other thing that I think is funny is that now people will say, people have said to Braxton, hey, are you Lawrence's brother? And he will immediately retort back, no. Lawrence is my brother. <laughs> Cuz I'm the younger brother, right? So and finally, I saw my brother what makes me think of Pete in that context is I saw my brother DJ. He doesn't go out to DJ as much. He doesn't have anything to prove from that standpoint. I'm pretty sure he spends records every day though like in his house, but when it comes to playing for an audience, he doesn't do that very often. You better come up with a big old check if you're going to ask him to play. And I went and saw him. He was at, I don't know what it's called now because I don't think it's Betty's Blue Star Bar anymore, but he played Betty's Blue Star Bar. And I was like, can I? I was doing the nighttime show back then. I said, can I come out? Can I? He's like, yeah, it'd be like the old days where I used to like carry his milk crates of, of actual wax records. And I get there. And by then, you know, like enough people knew me. Like I had the show on NBC Sports Chicago and obviously like people knowing me from the score and stadium and all that stuff. And I remember walking into this place and being there in the DJ booth with Braxton and this guy came up to him. He had every one of my brother's records like all of it special 12 inches like <laughs> all sorts of stuff and i was just like wow like he the guy was shaking because he wanted braxton's autograph and he wanted to talk to him about music and it was at that point that i realized that my brother is bigger in his community 
and I am in mine. And it cracks me up to this day. If you were a house music head, you probably already know this, but if you're a house music head and didn't know this, you should look up his catalog. You know, he's on the record label Casual, and he kind of did his own thing over there. But, like, all those guys back then, like he, they would come to the house and come create stuff in the basement. It's honestly wild. Like, some of the stuff... Some of the stuff that would happen, like some of the people who would come over to our house in Homewood and just work on stuff to me is wild. Anyway, shout out to Pete for being a, a fan of both of the Holmes boys, not just the one that he does sports with. I thank you for listening to today's show. Um, I promised you an episode about me and the Sun-Times. I will get that out to you. Next week, along with Joe Kilgallen, he did a sit-down with Wayne Mesmer for My Favorite Cub. I'm excited about that. I got a couple people that I want to talk to about the White Sox. So we got some cool programming that's coming up on House of L. And, of course, sports adjacent. That The pod has been great. You know, the guys have kind of been in and out because, you know, they, they need their time off too. But the episodes have been great whether it was Herb Howard filling in or they brought Marshall Harrison and Russ was hating and it was funny that he was hating. But please check out all the stuff that we have to offer. Go scroll through. You might find an episode that you are interested in. You know what I'm saying? One that you missed. I appreciate your support as always. I will talk to you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.